we go ahead and get started this morning. I've got a little game for us to play early this morning, and uh, it's going to be called Good or Bad. I'm going to say something, you tell me if it's good or bad. You have to participate. Are you with me? Okay, good. Okay, first, hot sign at Krispy Kreme. Okay, that's good. Okay, that, yes, that's, that's like good times 10, right? Hot sign, Krispy Kreme, yeah, that's good, that's good. Snakes. Okay, that, yeah, bad, bad, bad. How about dogs? How about cats? Uh, okay, fight. There's a fight getting ready to happen right now. Um, um, okay, and here's one more right now. Moment of silence for myself. Peanut butter. That's good. That's good, that's good, that's good. Peanut butter all day long. Creamy. Yes, creamy. So, so here's what we want to talk about this morning as we get started. I want us to pause and just reflect and think about how good our God is. We get to come to the table, we get to take the bread and drink the juice, and we get to do this in remembrance of King Jesus. But in, before we get to that, I want us to sort of pause and take a look at the Good Shepherd specifically. Because Jesus described himself in John chapter 10 as the Good Shepherd. In John, there's seven I am statements, and Jesus was talking to a predominantly Jewish audience who had a lot of, a lot of knowledge about being shepherds and, and herding sheep and what that would entail. And so he basically comes off and he says, hey, I am the good shepherd. And what I want us to do before we come to the table is I want us to sort of just wrap our arms around how good our God is and how he calls himself the good shepherd. So if you're going to have your Bibles, I want you to take a look at, to take a look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, starting in verse 10, going to 17. As you're flipping there, I, I want to make a couple of announcements, a couple of sort of statements to sort of set up the text. The text oftentimes is, when it's talked about, is there's a couple of emphasis here because if it's a, na a narrative. A lot of times there's the emphasis on how dumb the sheep are. My point today is to tell you, yes, we are compared to sheep. Now, Brian talked about that two weeks ago. The purpose that I want to talk about today, looking at John chapter 10, is not the stupidity of the sheep but the greatness of the shepherd. Not the stupidity of the sheep, but the greatness of the shepherd. You and I each and every day are reminded that we are flawed individuals, and outside of the love and grace of Jesus Christ, we are nothing, right? So now what we want to do is we want to be able to focus our attention on the good shepherd because he is so good. And so I want you to I'll read that. I'm going to read that here in just a minute. Like I said, there's ten. There's seven I am statements. The number number four is in John chapter ten. Jesus used the illustration of a shepherd again because of his audience knew exactly um, what he would be talking about. He wanted to he wanted to show them that he was truly the Messiah, that he was truly the way, that he was God in the flesh, and that's why he used those the first words I am, which shows his complete divinity. And so a couple of ways that you would, you, you would be a shepherd, there's a couple of things that we need to understand. First of all, you, if you were a shepherd then you, and you lived in a city, a larger city, let's say like Jerusalem, and you would be out in the pasture and your sheep would be grazing, and you'd call your sheep in, they would follow you into the pen in the city. But also other shepherds would do the same thing. They would have their sheep. And their herd, and your herd, and it would all, or flock, and it would be all into this one big pen. And that's where you'd be kept. But there's another way that that's done. If a shepherd is out in the hillside, 
that's feeding his sheep and allowing them to roam the pasture, he would also make a pen for his sheep. He would put rocks together and make a circle and leave an opening for them to come in and out. He would put like thorns and thistles on the top to keep out wolves or things that would uh, hurt the sheep. And so that's sort of the, the sta- the, to sort of set the stage as we jump in to John chapter 10. Let's take a look at starting at verse 10. This first verse, I'm sure a lot of you, a lot of you have memorized if you even grew up in church. It says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. And the first thing I want us to see before we come to the table is that the good shepherd gave up his life so that you could have life. The good shepherd gave up his life so that you and I could have life. I'm really not trying to make this very difficult this morning as we come to the table. It is something you've been in church for a a long time. You recognize that Jesus died so that we could live. And he comes to tell them that I am the good shepherd and I lay down my life. And because I lay down my life, I give you life abundantly. That word abundant life is is something that is another sermon for another day, but that life is the full presence of God in our life, not with stuff, but abundant living is knowing and experiencing everything that God has for us in our life. I think it's important for us to see that if a shepherd is actually out in the hillside, this is important, if a shepherd is in the hillside and he has his sheep that are all over the place, He makes a pen if he's out on the hillside. If he's in the city, there's already a pen that's made made for all of the shepherds. But if the shepherd is out in the hillside and his sheep are all over the place, he makes this pen. But here's what he does. He makes this pen and at night he calls his sheep into this pen. And then there's an opening for the sheep to come in and come out. And here's what the shepherd does. The shepherd lays down his body in the opening so that they can be protected. And when Jesus looks at them and says, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life. What he's saying is, hey, I didn't lay down my life in a sheep pen. What I did was I laid down my life on two trees, nailed together, took nails in my hands and feet, was scourged, was beaten, was mocked, bled, and guess what? I gave up my life so that you could have life. But then again, I came back so that you could have life and have it abundantly. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture to sit there and think that there is an opening in a sheep pen and the shepherd, the the earthly shepherd, takes and, and, and guards the opening. But it's a beautiful picture to realize when Jesus comes, he says, I am the good shepherd. And let me tell you what I've done for my sheep. I've laid down my life on a tree so that they might have life. I think the story of George Wilson in 1833 sort of helps put this together a little bit. And I hope we'll challenge some right here in the room. 
See, there's some of you here in the room where you've said, yes, that's what Jesus did for me. And I can come to the table and I can take this bread and I can drink this juice because when I was this age or that age or at this time of my life, I repented of my sins and I placed my faith in Jesus. He's the good shepherd and I know him personally. Some of you in here, you, you don't know who Christ is. But George Wilson in 1833 robbed with a friend of his the U.S. Postal Service. He was tried, he was captured, he was tried and convicted to death by hanging because of his crimes. His friend died by hanging, but there were a lot of people that fought for George Wilson so that he wouldn't die. There were friends in high places that tried to get him not to, to get the president, Andrew Jackson, to pardon his uh, death sentence. And even went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Because why, the reason it went to the Supreme Court is because George Wilson denied the pardon. Andrew Jackson, the President of the United States, gave him a pardon. And he, he George Wilson, denied the pardon. They said, well, you can't do that. We're going to go up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said this. A pardon is a deed to the validity of which delivery is essential. And delivery is not complete without acceptance. It may then be rejected by the person whom it is tendered. And if it is rejected, we have discovered no power in this court to force it upon him. And George Wilson died by hanging with the pardon laying on the table. You and this table says that you don't have to leave the pardon on the table. Because he's a good shepherd who laid down his life. And he gave up his life so that we could have life. Folks, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And there's certain times in our life where, in our, in our life where things just get so overwhelmed. We get so overwhelmed with things. Dana and I were trying to close on a house on April the 21st. Every one of our possessions is still in a U-Haul truck in Apex. And we sit back and we go, wait a minute, wait a minute. But he truly is a good shepherd. He truly is a, a, a good shepherd. For those of you that have never accepted the pardon of a good shepherd, I would beg with you and plead with you right now to repent and believe in King Jesus. And in just a few short minutes, come to this table and celebrate that you've been forgiven, that you've been redeemed. And if you have accepted that free gift, that pardon, then come and celebrate together as we, as we come. So the, 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 the abundant life is given by the good shepherd because he gave life, he, he gave his life so that we could have life. The second thing I want you to see is the good shepherd knows, loves, and cares for you. He contrasts this with the shepherd, that uh, the false shepherds, the ones that would come in that were hired hands. He says those, they, they're, they're paid to care. It says in verse, um, verse 12, it says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and he flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The word know, it's not just knowing about someone. It's knowing everything about someone. Absolutely everything about you. That's the good shepherd. That's who he knows. He knows us. He keeps us. He fights for us. He comes after us. He gently and boldly and lovingly rebukes us when it's needed. 
You know that if a sheep gets off to wandering off, the shepherd, and this is a real life shepherd, he will take the sheep and break its legs and put it on it, around its neck and walk with it until the legs heal. When the legs are healed, the shepherd puts the sheep down in the midst of the flock. And you know what? That sheep never leaves the shepherd's side. Because sometimes tough love is needed to grab our attention. It doesn't mean that he's not good. It doesn't mean that he's not kind. What it means is, is he knows exactly what is best for us to get us back into that right relationship with him so that we can enjoy that abundant life that he promised he would give. <laughs> this past week, um, so just, just to be you know, transparent, I told you, we're trying to move. And I think, praise God, we're going to move 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Praise the Lord. You know? And so this past week, we, we were sitting here, we're trying to get ready to, we're trying to move, and we've got stuff in, in storage and stuff in a, in a U-Haul, and it's delayed, delayed, delayed. And, and i got to be honest with you, Dan and I, we got pretty grumpy. I'm just, I'm, I'm being real. We got pretty grumpy. One morning, Dana just, she wasn't very happy. And then all of a sudden, she was sitting at the island in her parents' house where we're staying. And her dad just looked at her, and I was in the back room. And all of a sudden, he said, Dana, you got to get it together. I said, I'm staying in the back room. <laughs> I'm sitting in the back room. And I'm over here, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm listening. He said, Dana, you don't want Satan to win any of this. He is in control of everything, or he's in control of nothing. And sometimes the good shepherd has to come to us and break our legs to get our attention. Ask Jacob in Genesis how that feels. So that we could be reminded that in everything, he is simply good. That's his character. I've often asked people, can Jesus lie to you? No, he can, can Jesus do anything to you he wants to do? A lot of times people say, yeah, he can. No, he cannot lie. He cannot deceive. He cannot lead you astray because it's not in his character as a good shepherd. That's not in his character, and he cannot do that. Last thing I want you to see is that the good shepherd urgently seeks for other sheep. And I love this, what it says in verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd and other sheep. And, and what he's talking about here is that there are other sheep that really need to be a part of the fold. See, he's talking to a Jewish audience and, and they're really thinking like, oh, the Messiah is just for the Jewish people. Let me ask you, I'm glad that's not true, aren't you? Okay? I'm glad it's not just for the Jewish people. That Jesus says there's other sheep in John chapter 17. He prayed for future believers who would come to faith in him. And Jesus is saying right now, there's other sheep. And he uses this word, I must go find them. Meaning it's urgent that I go find them. I think probably one of the things I've been so grateful for lately at Northwest Community Church is what's taking place individually in our leadership and the idea of prayer and evangelism. And then in the last two months or three months, seeing people, grown men and women, place their faith in Jesus. When I read this text and when I study this text, I talked about, I, I, I learned that Jesus is trying to go after other sheep and bring them into the fold on Easter Sunday morning after we did baptism, after the second service. Everybody was leaving and, 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 and 
the Connors came up to me and, and Andrea came up to me and she sat there, tears in her eyes. I've known them since they were with us at, at the Creek Church. She's got a baby in her arm and she's got one in her leg and her husband is standing next to her and she says, I, 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 I just want to talk to you this week. I, I want to talk to you this week about getting saved. I'm like, what about right now? What about right, right here, right now? So as you were leaving on Easter Sunday, she stood there with her husband and she said, I repent and I believe. And I said, welcome to the family. And here's what's taking place, folks. Let me make sure you understand this. There is a group, a hundred ladies since January who have been praying for our church in these Bible studies. There's been a staff that's concerned that we want to reach more people with the gospel. That we want to be, be known as a church of prayer. And we've been talking about that and putting things in practice of doing those things. And at the end of the day, what do we get to do? We get to sit back and watch a good shepherd bring people into the fold. Bring people into the fold for people, for Ken Watson, who sat at a restaurant and said, tell me what you told me here a month ago. And I'm like, okay, Jesus died on the cross for you. That's what I want. What do I need to do? Just say yes. Two hours later, Jerry's at a, at, a, at a Chick-fil-A with a guy named Sean, and he goes, you are not going to believe what happened. I said, you're not going to believe what happened. And here's what I'm telling you right now. There is a good shepherd that says, in the midst of all this political stuff that's going on, he says, I'm a good shepherd, and I'm in control. And here's what he says. There's other sheep, and nothing is going to distract me from using you to help you tell them, but to watch me bring them into the fold. Bring them into the fold. You cannot separate that from the women's Bible study, from the prayers of the staff and the elders and, and, and what's happening at our church. And we've seen over seven grown people give their life to Jesus. And as I take a look at this text, I'm like, man, I'm just telling you, if you ha don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you, you don't have a chance. He's coming after you. He's coming after you. And we get to gather in this table and say, yes, I surrendered a long time ago to him pursuing me. And I get to come to the table and I get to remember that I am a believer and I'm part of this fold. And I would encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, don't leave. Don't leave the pardon on the table. Jesus died so that you could live. He's a good, good shepherd. I want us to, before we go into communion time, I want us to, um, I want us to recite Psalm 23 together. I just want us to, Psalm 23 is going to be on the, on the screen. What we're going to do right now is we're just going to, we're going to say that together, loudly and proudly. Um, then Scott and Bill are going to lead us in this song. And I'm going to give you, some ch give you a, a chance in just a minute to just reflect on who God is and what a great shepherd he is. Let's look at Psalm 23. Let's read this together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go ahead and invite those that are serving. Would go ahead and come forward. We, we, um, we at Northwest Community Church practice what's called open communion. What we mean by that is if you have a relationship with Jesus and you're a part of our church or if you're a guest visiting our church, we welcome you to participate in taking of the bread and taking of the juice, reminding yourself of what Jesus did for you. Um, obviously, if there is, you know, if you're here today and you're not yet a believer, you haven't placed your faith in Christ, you've not accepted that pardon, then we would just ask you just to let the tray pass by when it goes past you. If, if you feel like, hey, you know, right now, me and the Lord, we're not in a good place. We hope that you've had a chance to be able to be cleaned up and to be in right relationship with the Father. But even if you are just not prepared, then just go ahead and let the tray pass as well. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing uh, when he gathered the disciples in. The disciples were a little unsure of everything that was going on. But he gathered the disciples in so that they would never, ever forget the abundant life, the eternal life that he gave. He gave up his life so that we could have life. He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. So I'm going to pass this out to the guys, and uh, they'll bring it to you. When Jesus gathered his disciples together, he gave out bread, which was a symbol for life. Here's what he said, and it's recounted in John chapter, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. It says this, for, the, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Of course, in Old Testament, even before Christ was slain on the cross, we'd have to be, there would have to be uh, the payment for sins, which was an animal sacrifice. And in Hebrews chapter 10, we realize that there is no more need for that type of sacrifice to get the forgiveness of sins because of what the good shepherd did for us. He laid down his life for his sheep. He didn't lay across the sheep pen. He laid on a tree. He did that for you and I so that we could be once and all forgiven and have what's called abundant life. So he took the cup. And this is what it says in verse 25 of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, 25. It says, in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Drink it in remembrance of me. Let me pray for us as we continue to sing. God, we love you, and we are forever grateful for you. We are so grateful that we serve a good shepherd. A good shepherd at times loves us in a very tough way. It doesn't mean you don't love us un unconditionally or love us any less. We thank you for the tough lessons, and we thank you for the good lessons. At the end of the day, we thank you that you are a good shepherd. In Jesus' name I pray.